0: found the winding road podcast hosted by jason and isaac we're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun we never know where the conversation will go but we hope you join us all right welcome back everyone we are tonight discussing the recent uh, trip we had to the philly auto show uh, it's one of the Uh, auto show series that kind of go around the country in various cities. Uh, There was one in Harrisburg where I grew up that we went to um, a few times. And then this one we went to was in Philly. It's not the same level as like New York or LA or Detroit or, um, you know, Tokyo or all the big ones where the new cars are launched, but it is a good chance to see what kind of cars are in the market. If you're in the market for a new car, you know, kind of get your hands on them, feel them. You don't have to worry about talking to dealers and stuff like that. So, it is a nice experience that uh, I tend to l- enjoy going to. I believe that's the same with you, right, Jason?
1: Yes, um, I've been. God, I've been going to the car show for a long time now. Uh, it's always been something um, I've always enjoyed going to, for the same reasons. Um, you know, you're under the same roof with you know basically most of the cars that are out there on the market today. Um, and get get inside them. You know, look at the technology. Um, and like you said, with, without any pressure. So it's always a fun, fun event for me. Um, and I always like to see what they have down there. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I guess we'll start off with what's your biggest takeaway or what stands out to you the most? If you could, um, the first thing you think of for this year's show, what is it?
1: Well, I don't want to say it's a takeaway. I'll say something I noticed was that it was way more dialed back. Than it had been in the past, um, and I think that you'd probably agree with me on that. Um, there were several car manufacturers not present. Um, everything was basically on one floor, which is usually the case. Like you, you have the one floor that has usually all the I want to say regular cars, but common like Ford, you know, Chevy, all that stuff, and then they usually have a little concourse where it has all the higher end cars. Um, and then there have been times where in the basement they've been filled with tuners and things like that. Um, and this year, it was just the one floor. Um, and then they had a couple sections with cars that were from um, was a classic auto mall,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is actually a really cool place. If never if you guys have never been there, I definitely recommend taking a ride. It's a really cool spot. Um, but it just felt weird to me that they would have. It was like filler, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. They were just trying to like fill room, um, and I don't totally know if that's be- yeah. I don't know if it's because of COVID or what, but uh, it, it was definitely. It was still fun. We had a great time. Um, I saw a lot of cool stuff, which we'll talk about, you know, in greater detail in this episode. But um, it's just definitely that. Be my takeaway. I'll say was uh, it just felt like it was just way dialed down all mm-hmm. how about you what was your what was your big takeaway
0: um i feel like i you could probably see everything you need to see by standing in one car maker's booth because mm-hmm. it was all suvs because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all we you know it's all america buys anymore is suvs for the most part like um there are still a few holdouts for for most manufacturers, where they have two, one to four sedans or or hatchbacks or something like that, but it's amazing the how many different ways a company can make an SUV. And really, some mm-hmm. of them, this is a rant I could go on for a while. Some of them aren't even actually SUVs, but they're sold that way. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's pretty much what brand do you like because. If, what brand do you, what mm-hmm. brand do you like? And how big of a car do you want? And then go to that brand, they have a car for you and you're, you'll are you be happy. Like it's, they're all the same. It's like looking at a, uh, when you go to the grocery store and you see the bread aisle, when you see 30 different types of loaves of bread, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. So that was kind you're of right for me. If you're in the market for an SUV, you definitely have options. Um, and obviously that's, that's a lot of American car buyers, but as an enthusiast like you and I, and probably a lot of our listeners, it's kind of disheartening to ha- you have to be able to look actively for something that has somewhat of some character to it. Everything else is just vanilla bread boxes.
1: I think you're right on that. I think like you said, a lot of people have a brand and it doesn't really matter. You know, they'll just stick with that brand and they want whatever that car is. I want an SUV, so you know, I'm going to go to XYZ brand that I've been buying off of for however many years, you know. Mm-hmm. but I thought, um, and it's funny because you and I had talked about the Bronco before. And you posted a picture today on the podcast Instagram with um, that blue Bronco. Mm-hmm. and i think that i'm pretty sure we discussed it on the podcast if i'm not like if i'm not mistaken but this one in the car show is is pretty much the exact one that you specked out i don't know if it's the same color was it was it a blue one that you had chosen
0: yeah it was almost it was almost isaac speck i didn't see i didn't look at it up close because actually it was on a i don't know if it was a turntable but it was roped off I'm not sure mm-hmm. why, because they had another one there that wasn't roped off and people could get in, um, but it was almost Isaac spec. It had uh, it was a two door. It was the blue. It had it was a second to bottom, like it was one step off of the base level. So it had the black steel wheels, which I would probably lean towards the base model with the silver steel wheels. The um, only thing was it was automatic. It, pro- I'm not sure which engine it had in it. Probably the smaller one, but yeah, it was. When I saw it, I'm like, wow, it looks like the one I built almost."
1: I like that Isaac Speck.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You mentioned about it feeling a little like gutted or whatever this year. That was one thing that I was curious how much downsized it was. And so I Mm -hmm. searched a list for all car brands sold in the United States. And the cars of the car brands that were not there and also were not usually there, like Ferrari's never there. Uh, aston martin i don't think is ever there so taking those brands out how many how many brands do you think were not there
1: without counting i'm gonna say 10 (laughs) 19 19 yeah so my god so these car brands
0: were not there acura alfa romeo audi buick bmw cadillac fiat genesis infinity jaguar land rover mazda mercedes mini mitsubishi porsche
1: tesla vw and volvo were there were there um is it so were there any reasons why that like they weren't there
0: i don't know and two of them i don't know i i might have missed mazda but i don't remember remember it being there and i don't think tesla is normally there but i put it on the list anyway so Worst case scenario, if Mazda was there and we missed it, and if Tesla is never there, that's still 17 brands that didn't show up.
1: I don't think Mazda was there. Yeah, so that's 18 we have, brands. We would have seen that. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah.
0: I didn't think there were that many that were missing. I thought maybe, I didn't you know, you like you said, 10 or 12. Because I got home and I was sitting there listing off the brands I could think of, and I got to at least 12. Um, So Mm -hmm. that's why I was, I was, I was surprised that it was that many.
1: Me too. Wow. It makes it, you know, it definitely, it makes it for, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of stuff I would have liked to see like from those vehicles and those brands. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not to say that we didn't see anything cool. Um, Let me ask you a question. What was your, I guess most interesting pick from from the show, or yeah, most interesting pick.
0: Mm, most interesting pick,
1: or something that you were surprised at or, or liked the most.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to think about that one. That's a good question.
1: I was most surprised and intrigued with the Hyundai Elantra N okay. because to me, I see, I, I, I'm you know, I, I come, I'm coming from it from. A guy, I guess, who has a vehicle in that segment, I feel like the, the S3 is, is sort of a competitor of that car on, an, on a different level now, because I was reading about it, and they seem to be similar sizes. I think the Elantra weighs a little bit less. Um, it makes pretty good power. I think like almost 280 or something like that from a two-liter four-cylinder. And it had a lot of cool styling cues and performance cues. I'll say styling from the interior, not the exterior. Okay. Um, a lot of cool styling cues that uh, that I think are 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 intriguing, and it makes the car it appears to be very fun to drive. Mm. I haven't driven one, but um, I think it starts at like thirty three or thirty four thousand. Way cheaper than like a, a an enthusiast S three. Mm-hmm. So, and I've been seeing two to them already on the road um, since the show, and I haven't okay. seen them on the road before. Um, and there's a lot of things I don't like about them. I think I told you about how the exterior I feel like is a little bit over the top. I wish it was dialed down a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It's got like this weird red line around the bottom rocker panels and the rear valance and then and then it's got like a tr- tr- right in the rear center like a red triangle that almost reminds i don't think it's a light raining, but it reminds me of the, the the taillights that are on um i guess f1 cars those things really bother me probably enough to make me not want to buy the car i was very impressed i was really impressed by it actually it was uh interesting i would never would have ever thought that i'd be considering a elantra mm-hmm. but uh It was interesting. I liked it. I
0: think I was let down by the Ranger, um, not having driven one, uh, and having a soft spot for Rangers. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I've had there. I grew up on Rangers, and when they brought them back the other year, I knew it wasn't going to be the same as the old one because time has moved on. When it was when the older one was retired in twenty twelve, twenty eleven, it was already. A 20 year old truck and it needed to die and be reincarnated. Mm. And people wanted the buyers wanted something different than it had to offer. So I knew when it came back, it wasn't going to be the one I knew and loved. Um, but if with it, with the Colorado, have gotten a lot bigger than they used to be because that's what people want and they. I don't know. They're not trucky enough for me inside. It's got like a car interior. Like the steering wheel is the same steering wheel you see in like a Fusion or a, a Taurus or an Explorer or whatever. A lot of the same parts are in there, and that's normal. Every every brand does that across their model line because it helps to, um, you know, make efficiencies in production and cut costs and things like that. But it just didn't compel me enough to really want one. Like if I wanted to get back into that market. I would, I would definitely lean towards the Bronco, but, you know, I've always liked the Rangers and the blaze, the, the Bronco, the, um, yes, the I almost called it an S <laughs> 10.
1: <Colorado. laughs>
0: the Colorado, um, right now they're doing some cool stuff with the bison package, which Ford was so Ford started the game with the Raptor. Um, and then everyone else caught up, but, now with the Ranger Ford is kind of behind every like Chevy because Chevy's got the Bison package and the the Ranger Raptor is going to compete with that and but that's not available yet but they're both really big they're almost the size of full-size trucks used to be and mm-hmm. i was thinking about it what took its place that size is effectively the new Ford Maverick and the Hyundai um hyundai Veracruz. they're they're little trucklets that mm-hmm. they're four-door with a small bed um and that's almost the size that rangers used to be obviously a very different form factor because they're not body on frame they're 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 uh you know it's like a unibody. car unibody yeah um but they're if you want a small compact pickup and you want a good ride now you don't have to go with a larger, like, because the, the Ranger in the Colorado, along with the Tacoma, they, you know, they're they not small trucks anymore, and they're not going to go back to being smaller. So if you want a nice compact truck that's easy to park and good on gas, like the old ones used to be, you know, you're going to be looking at the Maverick and um, and the, the Veracruz. I think, I think it's called the Veracruz. Uh, I didn't look at the Veracruz very closely, but I've heard great things about it.
1: Um, yeah, I've seen them. They they look different looking. Um, but back to stay on the Ranger real quick. You're right. That that truck was definitely. And again, it was an, it was like a dated vehicle, like the Crown Vic. It had ne- never been, hadn't been updated in like 20 years. Yeah. Um, I want, and they, they still weren't cheap. Like they, you know, they were pretty basic. I don't even think they had like a, like, I don't, I don't want to call a luxury package, but there wasn't like a really like hopped up version and they were, they were still, I think like 20 high twenties, maybe even $30,000 back, you know, 10, 15 years ago.
0: Yeah. I always,
1: I always, I always wish they had a V8 option in them.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe with the current ones with the larger form factor, but I think back then they were too small. Um, For for companies to really think about doing it, but you're right about the cost. I remember, you know, in the mid two thousands, I had built one on the Ford website, and at that time, the top of the line was the FX four level two, that had the four liter V six, and it had, um, you know, like the six foot bed, and it had the off road package uh, and stuff like that. And I think that topped out around like twenty eight. I think you're right. And for comparison. Uh, in the same era, a new civic, for example, was about, um, $18,000 fully loaded. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so now when you move that forward, that's like saying like the new civics are, you know, 25 to 35, depending on which one you get. And this truck is 30 to 40. So like, you know, it was equivalent to a $40,000 truck 15 years ago. And to your point, they were old. Like they hadn't been updated in a long time and they didn't have any technology in them and they were very mm-hmm. basic and they didn't ride well. They didn't have a lot of room. They didn't have great ergonomics. So and they didn't have great fuel economy. They had an old engine. They had an old basic transmission. So there wasn't a compelling reason to buy them, which is like the industry just moved on from them. Buyers wanted mm-hmm. something better. For their money, and that's you know part of what killed it off.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of money, you know I was going to save this one for later, but it seems like a good time to talk about it. The fun fact of of the night. Are you ready for it? Sure. So I was looking for. I, I saw a, a Mazda. Have you seen a Mazda two on the road?
0: Occasionally, not often.
1: It's like super tiny. It's yeah. like uh, like a it's like a Mitsubishi Mirage kind of kind of thing. Total Econobox. So uh, I was curious today because I saw one in front of me on my ride home. We got home, and I was like, "Oh, let me let me take a look at that. And see what see what the specs are on that because the, t- the tailpipe on that thing, you get a carrot stuck in it. So I was like, it's gotta have a three cylinder. <laughs> I was like, this thing must have like the tiniest engine. So uh, that's how I got interested in, in looking at this thing. And it actually has a 1.5 liter four cylinder, which there's a pretty small four-cylinder. I thought, I thought it definitely would be a three-cylinder. But anyway, so well, I wonder what these things are going for. So I found one on Carvana, and this thing is a 2011, right? So that's what, 12 years, 12 years old? No, 11, 11 years old? Yeah, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And it has 15,000, no, it had 30,000 miles on it. That's what pretty good. What do you think was the price of this car? 30,000 well,
0: miles? Yeah, that's pretty good miles for a 11-year-old car. That's actually really
1: low. Yeah, but keep in mind what we're talking about. Yeah, so, a lot,
0: what a lot of those cars had, you know, people drive them because they commute and stuff like that, and so I would imagine an 11-year-old one of those to be over 100,000 miles.
1: Right. Um,
0: based on the current market and the miles I think new they sold for twelve to fourteen. So I'm gonna say probably
1: nine. So they wanted fifteen grand for this thing.
0: What? That's and oh my So here's
1: the here's the thing, right? On most cars, if you look on Carvana, they have the original window sticker that you can look up. But for some reason this one didn't have it. Probably because of selling it for more than the car was brand new 11 years ago. Wow. I, I, I couldn't wait to tell you. I was like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've heard all week.
0: You know, you're in a crazy if, if that... car
1: market when a
0: when an 11-year-old car that may not even have air conditioning in it mm-hmm. is going for... I mean, you could buy a lot of car for $15,000 and enjoy it a lot. Like You could buy a lot nicer car for $15,000 than yeah. that. Right. Something that's something that's newer, maybe a little bit more miles, but newer and better creature comforts inside and more room.
1: Yeah, I mean, to commute, like if you're commuting in something like that, like solely to commute, I mean, God, maximum I would $5,000 would be the. I don't care how many miles it has on it or how little it has on it or if it's yeah. two years old. That's the max amount of money that I'm willing to spend on something like that that has zero fun to it. Unrelatedly, do you remember seeing any Blazers? I did see one. I don't remember seeing any. They're pretty sharp. I wanted I wanted to check them out. I totally must have gotten sidetracked.
0: You were sidetracked by the Bison.
1: Okay. I did get pretty yeah. excited by that.
0: Yeah. You were, you were almost drooling on the Bison. Um, I, was
1: che- I was cheesing on a little door, Max. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, just I think it was one or two cars over was a was a blazer. I walked right by it because I think that's one thing where Chevy probably got caught with their pants down. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they were because cars take at least a year and a half, two years to develop a car, especially if it's a, a new car, like you're launching a new model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think during development, they were like, okay, this is going to be great. We're going to bring back the Blazer name. It's going to sell off of the Blazer name because it's got heritage and it's going to be this cool car. We're going to put interior in it that looks like the Camaro. So it's going to be sporty because it's going to have like the square gauges and this and that. And it's going to be great. Right before they launch it, here's the new Bronco. And now there's Jeep and Bronco and they've got these, badass off-roaders and they're rough and tumble and they're what people want they're like and then Chevy's like here's our Blazer you know like it's they try to market it as cool but theoretically it should be competing in the same same thing as the Bronco and the Wrangler but it's just not even going to be considered now I mean it's and it's too big to consider with the Bronco Sport because the Bronco Sport is just a escape with a different body on it and so that means you would be comparing it with the Equinox and a Cherokee, um, the regular Cherokee not up Grand Cherokee. And so where's the Blazer fit in, you know, and right. wh- why does it exist? And that's kind of like why I was going to rant earlier is, you know, Chevy's got, uh, I'll probably miss some here because I don't know their full line. They've got the Trax, they've got the Equinox, they've got now the Blazer, they've got the Um, I, I don't know if they brought trailblazer back or not, but they've got those three, they've got traverse, they've got Tahoe, they've got suburban. And so like, there's four cars that are all very similar. Like the Trax is the the really small one. And it's basically a Chevy spark with four wheel drive. And then you have the Equinox and the trail, the blazer have like three cars that are almost the same size. They're all five seat SUVs. They're all mm. relatively the same size outside. They just have different styling. So what is the draw to each one of those? Like why pick one over the other? And they're not the only ones. A lot of companies are doing that. And it just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Remember the old K5 Blazers? Like the big right. ones, which which sort of resembled an older Bronco. I think they were right. two doors, a kind of square body. Um, and they had quite a following.
0: Yeah, but and I- that's what I mean. Like that's where I think GM's like, wow, we really missed the mark. We could have brought the Blazer back and it could have been this, you know, it could have been a two-door Tahoe, Mm. just like it used to be. You know, Mm. bring take the Tahoe, chop two doors off of it, chop the top off of it, offer offer a softer top or a soft top and sell it as a competitor to the Bronco. They would have been great, but I don't Mm. think they saw, I think Ford probably blindsided them with that car. And now they're like, crap, what do we do? Yeah. I think they'll still sell them, but I think a lot of Chevy guys are probably wishing that they would have brought back the Blazer as, you know, like a convertible top, two door off roader.
1: I think they probably, yeah, I think that would have been cool. I also can't believe how, what a, uh, that the option to to have the um, removable soft top or the retractable soft top on the Bronco Mm is like $2,800 for that option. Yeah, it's a which lot. Like, it's pretty hefty. But like, how can you buy that truck without, without that on it? I don't like, know. I want one. <laughs> I want one now.
0: I think I haven't looked recently, but I thought the Wrangler comes standard with the soft top and you opt for the hard top, which makes sense. Um, but maybe they saw it as I think a lot of people, especially once Deep started offering the body colored hard tops instead of just the black texture. Once mm-hmm. Jeep started doing that, I think they're probably seeing the market go more towards it's a hard top all the time with the option to remove it, but no one ever does because it's a hassle. But it, the mm-hmm. the idea is there that you can do it, mm-hmm. um, and so that I think people buy that, but they want the hard top for better you know weather insulation, better noise insulation, and more than you know. How many to- Jeeps do you actually see with the top down during the summer? less than not, you see with the top on
1: not often. you know right
0: while people do yeah. it it's not that many compared to how many people actually buy a jeep and so i think ford said it probably makes more sense to offer have the standard hard top and then obviously you still have the convertible side of it where you can remove the different panels but then if somebody really want, does want a soft top then they can just buy it i think that like Business wise, I think it makes more sense.
1: I agree. I think it makes sense too. I just, I just I was like, "Wow, that's that's an expensive option." Oh yeah, it is. But it, it looks good. Like it looks to like it's
0: designed well. I was looking at it up close and um, comparing it. I didn't compare a Jeep one. Um, the only one I have to compare to is a 2000 model. Uh, so that's 22 years ago, and obviously they've come a long way since then. But mm-hmm. I've actually taken notice to how top design has changed on the jeeps over the last 20 years and um they've they've gotten better of course but i think ford really thought about you know how how the seams lay and and trying to reduce you know um water leaking into the car and uh wind buffeting and stuff like that so
1: do you remember the old jeep like did the old jeep have a lot of leaking issues that you remember the one i had
0: driven was a 2000 i don't think it leaked but it was definitely loud and it flapped a lot and i think they Mm. still do flap to some because you can only control a piece of canvas so much it was hard to like once it got old and and like stiff it got harder to um to like fold nicely or to when you tried to close the top again it was hard to get closed and they've i'm sure they've come a long way since then
1: i'm sure they have yeah they also stained easily like
0: they got the one i'm thinking of was tan and it like had the black stains on it from like the weather and stuff so
1: yeah those things weren't cheap either it's like you know talking about basic but yeah so there you know there are a couple other cool things i saw at the uh, at the car show i like um i'm impressed with the new civic i think that's i think they're coming like the the very sporty with that the um the lines on it i like and i'm interested to see the si come out Um, because I think like I said the styling on it I I personally like and Mm -hmm. it could be a little little affordable little sports car because you know everything else is so expensive all the new cars are getting so expensive to even get into these days and the new Nissan Z was there that one was pretty sharp I
0: I like that if Mm -hmm. I didn't like my Cayman so much I might consider buying one um, Mm -hmm. when they finally come out but it would be tough between that and the supra and a brz
1: Mm -hmm. what did you think about the brz
0: i thought it was a good refresh of of the old one so i used to work at a subaru dealer and we didn't get that many brz's but when i got in it it felt like a brz so like if you are someone who has one or has had one getting into it is going to feel familiar and Mm. I think that's good. The seats felt good. The, the layout looked good. The materials felt better than it used to. So like they've, they've um, refined it and made it better, but it's still from what I hear, a great driver's car and fun to drive and it's still, you know, got Subaru running gear and I think it's still a good little car. I liked it a lot.
1: You should have uh, got one of those instead of the Outback.
0: Um, well, the Outback filled the need at the time, so that wouldn't
1: have worked. (laughs) Could have, you could have put a little trailer on the back or something. You know what I'm thinking of right now? It's bringing me to, um, I'm thinking about Mazda Miatas for some reason. Okay. And like the newer ones. Do you remember the, the RF? I think it Mm -hmm. had like an optional target top. It wasn't like, it wasn't, it was a removable, like panel. You know, you know what I'm talking about?
0: Yep. So the RF, that's that's how it's built. So you have like the, the Miata and then the RF is a, it's like a hoop, like a, and it has a target top. So it's a removable center section. And then behind the the, the seats is like the, the, the roll hoop that stays there and you can lower the class, I think.
1: Like just like a Del Sol. Remember the Del Sols? Yep. Yep. Same kind of thing. And I love, I love that look. I don't know why. I just love that look. And, uh, the BRZ, I just, I guess made me think of the Miata that way, but, um,
0: mm-hmm. well, the BRZ has often been con- called a Miata hard top, like oh, or really? compared to that, like they, it's essentially, if you want a Miata, but you want a hard top, you get a BRZ because it's a, it's a fun little driver's car and it's going to, you know, it's a little sports car and, um, going to be reliable because it's a japanese car and stuff like that and so if like if you want a more usable miata you get a brz because it's got it's got actually got it's a two plus two it's got back seats it's got a trunk it's got a hard top so it's a quote more usable miata
1: does that only come with one engine probably like a a
0: 2.4 four-cylinder or something like that the miata comes with a two-liter four-cylinder
1: two-liter and How about
0: the, the BRZ, BRZ? The BRZ has a two-liter or two point uh, I think if you were open to ditching two doors and all-wheel drive, I think you'd really like a BRZ.
1: I mean, I would definitely try one out. I would never, I would never, um, you know, judge it without trying it. But it would be a hard sell for me. I think <laughs> the, the two-door, not all-wheel drive, right now um you know i like it i like it a lot for 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 um like winter driving as well but this year i barely needed it right and then i feel like last year we didn't get too much snow either if i remember correctly
0: no we got snow last year we got a good amount of snow because there was one day i didn't get out of the drive almost didn't get out of the driveway with the outback really yeah there was one day it was up to the axles and the outback now Granted, the Outback had some crappy tires on it and not the greatest. Oh, like as much as people say it is, it's not the greatest all-wheel drive system because it doesn't have the ability to actually give you the most traction. Like what it defaults to doing is if you're spinning, it alternates what corners of power goes to. So it'll get power to the left front and the right rear. And then it'll stop if you're still spinning. And then it stops power to those and sends the power to the right front and the left rear. Like all four are never turning at the same time. And mm. that's one of the problems with a lot of all wheel drive systems. And while it is one of the better ones, it's not as great as I, in my opinion, it's not as great as people think it is, because like one the best example I ever saw, a friend of mine had an STI back in the day, and he still does, but it doesn't run. He had, um, his car was parked and because of weather, it was sitting on the sheet of ice, like some, some rain or snow or something melted and he was on on ice and he could not get off the ice because when he put it in gear, one tire was spinning on one, the front one tire was spinning on the other side, on the back, all four were not ever spinning at the same time, which Mm -hmm. is all he would have needed to get going if even if you're on ice, if all four tires go at the same time, you're going to get movement. You're not just going to sit there and spin, but it wouldn't do that. And so he was stuck.
1: But while I have you on that subject, what do you? What is the best all-wheel drive system in your opinion?
0: This is going to sound biased, but I think Audi, but <clears> not all of them. The <clears> the true <throat> like mine. <laughs> the, the true Quattro system. I should say the traditional style that people think of, where there's a standard style transmission like a Subaru has, and then you have a drive shaft going back to the rear axle, like a Subaru, and then you have the rear axle like a Subaru, and then the the off of the back off the, off the tail shaft of the transmission is a drive shaft that goes up to the front differential, and then it splits power out to the to the front axles. And the reason I say that one's better than the Subaru one is because I had an uh, an A6 wagon, and I traded that um, on my Outback. When I traded the Audi, the Audi, it had half worn tires, and it was on a. It was I was working at a Subaru dealer, and we got snow that day, and so there wasn't much going on, and so it was a good day for me to get it. Because they didn't have any customers coming in because it was snowing, so I traded my my Audi with half worn tires, and when I drove home with my new Subaru with brand new tires, I had less traction in the snow. And, and that's a cool feel, story. You,
1: you got a brand new car. The
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean you could. I could feel the difference in the way the cars drove, accelerating accelerating around corners or up hills when the power was being moved around. Like the Audi, when you would accelerate in the snow on a snow covered road up a hill, it just drove. Like it, it drove like you would expect a four wheel drive vehicle to drive. And you felt it was stable, like it just went straight. The Subaru, you could actually feel it pushing this, the power around. And the car would actually twitch from side to side as I went up that same hill because the power is moving from one side to the other side and it would it would kind of like you could just feel the car like twitching because it was all that stuff was going on and it just felt less stable and Mm -hmm. that to me was a big eye-opener like wow I can't believe the difference in these systems and yeah it's Audi versus Subaru as far as like one's a luxury brand one's not but they're both all-wheel drive systems that have been around for a long time and they both Mm -hmm. have Die-hard fans that swear by them and there are worse all-wheel drive systems than subaru and there but i think those two are the best you can like in the industry but I, I prefer the way the audi one pushes power around now i say the traditional style because you know the uh a3 s3 rs3 q3 um and then, like the Volkswagen Tiguan, all the all-wheel drive Volkswagen models, they're more like what you find on more mainstream cars, like a like a CRV or a Rav Four or an Escape or something like that, where it's you know front wheel drive unless it needs power, and then it can divert some power to the rear. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think for where we live, it's fine because you can actually save some a little bit of fuel economy by not driving all the wheels all the time and just having the two in the back, you know, just ride along. Um, but when you need more like absolute traction, that's where they start to, um, show their weaknesses.
1: Mm -hmm. I think, I think you're right. It's, um, you know, all wheel drive is great for your general run of the mill snow that we're going to get, you know, around here.
0: Yeah. And of course, they're never going to compare to a dedicated four-wheel drive with locking differentials. That's what – I think the Audi is closer to that than the Subaru is because the Subaru – I mean, they both have open differentials. But the way that the Audi system pushes power around is different than the Subaru one. And I think if the Subaru – system was just engineered to push power to all four tires equally or both rear tires equally or both front tires equally, I think it would be better than it is now. Why they do that, I don't know. There might be design limitations where, you know, it'll destroy the clutch packs and the differentials or something, I don't know. That's all it would need to be an amazing all-wheel drive system in my opinion.
1: Mm Good points. I had, a, I had a 1998 Explorer Eddie Bauer that uh, when I was working at Ford, I, someone had traded in and it was in really good shape. Um, tech had bought it and you know, um, I serviced it all up, you know, did all kinds of stuff to it and probably drove it for about a year. But he was driving from Westchester to like Reading every day. It was killing him on gas. So I bought it off them, and that thing was just, the, oh, my God, it was the best in the snow. It's funny you mentioned it drive.
0: Yeah, that reminded me, though, I would say that that sim- system is very si- similar to the Subaru system. Really? And the reason I say that is I had an O2, and okay. I got it stuck on a bank. It was briefly stuck, but stuck enough to just show me how the system works. But it did the same thing that the Subaru system does. Like what I did was I didn't realize there was, um, there was like uh, a channel on the long side of the roads, like the, there was a road and then it was like a little gully and then it came back up to a, an embankment. And so I turned off from the side, I was trying to get over for some reason. And long story short, opposite corner tires were not exactly touching the ground. They were barely touching or not touching at all. And so two were on the ground on one on opposite corners and two were off the ground. And when uh-huh. you tried, when I tried to go forward, the opposite corners were spinning because of the open differentials. And that is when I was also able to see what the Subaru was doing that I mentioned earlier was where it would only send, wheel, send power to the wheels that you know were able to turn. Whereas even though it was four wheel drive, if it had somewhat of a limited slip differential, even in the rear, uh-huh. both tires would have gotten power and I would have been able to get some movement. I was able to end up, Backing out of where I was and it was fine, but that's all those these systems need is a good di- actual physical differential clutch pack in the rear, not mm-hmm. just using the brakes and the stability control to stop each wheel so that the power is forced to a corner. That's what the systems do.
1: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I think that's a good explanation. Yeah, and it's like it's all everything's electronic now, like electronic braking, electronic like electronic that, and uh, it's all gotten away from the mechanical
0: yeah and there's a lot of good reasons for that somewhat simplification because you can use all you need is the wheel speed sensor to tell the computer that the tire is spinning and then it just break push you know applies the brakes at that corner and you can use a wheel speed sensor to tell the computer that okay the car is in a yaw motion and then so the car says okay I'm going to break on these certain corners and it will correct the car and keep it more stable. Like all of the systems we have on cars, or a lot of them that help the car to be more stable are all using the wheel speed sensor and some other ones, but that's kind of the foundation of it. And so it simplifies if you can use the sensors to send power around, that simplifies the system in a way, because you don't have to have, a wear item in the center differential, like mm. where you have to be replacing clutches every eighty thousand miles or whatever, um, you just have to replace the fluid, and so it makes things a little bit simpler there and more cost effective. And it suits most people's needs for most driving scenarios.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: But it's the the ironic thing is, it's the times when you buy this the car like all-wheel drive for when you have four six eight inches of snow and you need to get out of there that's the reason you're buying all-wheel drive that's when you need a traditional style system
1: i miss those old school four-wheel drive days <laughs> they're long gone yeah they are maybe the bronco has some of that though yes
0: yeah. um i'm sure it has at least Somewhat of a locking differential in the front and rear. I don't think it's full Land Rover style where it's got a center locking diff, but mm. I'm sure it's got something in the front and rear that is lockable.
1: I think that I think that Colorado Bison you could lock. I think so too. And the rear. I was sitting inside that. I'm pretty sure I saw a locker for the front and the rear. Yeah. That'll get you through six inches of snow pretty good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: It looked really cool. I mean, I got to admit, that thing looked really cool. It did, yeah. I liked it a lot. I just wish it wasn't white, but that's just nitpicking.
1: Yeah, I didn't love the white either. But I'd probably get like a gray or a black one myself.
0: Speaking Maybe. of colors, oh, man, this is a rant. Get ready. Sit down.
1: Put Uh-oh. your seatbelts
0: on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. I don't understand, and I could be wrong. Like I, It's just my personal style. I get it. I don't understand the fad right now of getting cars that are that non-metallic gray color. To me, it looks like primer. It looks like you bought a new car and they forgot to paint it at the factory. But people are getting this color as an option. Like Audi's got two or three colors, like Kronos and uh, Nardo and stuff like that. And Toyota has one. It's called asphalt i think and uh every menu not every but most manufacturers have at least one color that looks like primer and i that's one thing i just don't understand why would you want a car that looks like they forgot to paint it in the factory
1: is there do you know if there's an upcharge for that
0: yeah some a lot of the cars have an upcharge for it yeah every that's now and funny. then like i think they might have it where it's one of the basic colors like mm-hmm. um That it's not, but I think because it's kind of like trendy right now, it's, it's a pain option and it costs, you know, depending on the car company, like 500, 1500, $2,500. And like we, there was a tech at work that bought an SQ5 a couple of years ago and he got, I forget if it was Kronos. I think it was Kronos, which has like Mm -hmm. a metallic flake in the primer. And Mm -hmm. I would, every now and then I'd be like, Hey, did you um get a discount because they forgot to paint your car?
1: He probably hated that.
0: He just he knows my personality and my sense of humor, and he's like, "Shut up! It's okay that I don't understand it. I will never buy that color or a color like it." But I'm just curious what the fascination is with it. That's all.
1: Do you do you remember the uh, Elantra N? If, can you see that? Yeah,
0: I. Uh, it doesn't come across well in the screen, but yeah, but that I was think... like that was a different color though
1: but it's still a, it was like the matte non-metallic it, it sort of resembles like denardo in my opinion it's just like a, it was like a baby blue
0: yeah it was it was take a baby blue and cross it with primer gray and i it was somewhere in the middle there it was it wasn't pastel and it definitely wasn't metallic it was just a gloss blue but the color was i'm not sure how to describe it
1: i'm going to, I'm googling it, like it right pale. now, Nardo gray yeah it was like um like, I don't know it's it was a very interesting I didn't like it it was interesting
0: mm-hmm. that was actually I say that I'm a sucker for blue and I like pretty much every any blue you can put on a car that one would be low on my list. I wasn't really a fan of it, probably because like you said it's it looks like a blue primer
1: here you go can you see this that that's an r s six Nardo yeah I don't know, I'm on the fence I can't I used to think that I hated it but I don't know. I I'm, I'm not sure how I feel about it right now. Can't make a judgment yet.
0: Like a really popular thing right now is to have that that primer gray color and have everything blacked out. The wheels, mm-hmm. the the emblems, the the window trim, any piece of trim that you can get blacked out, that to black it out. And mm-hmm. I I like contrast. I like to I don't mind a thin piece of chrome around the windows or a, you know, a a brush stainless or something like that. I like bright uh, exhaust tips. I like to see a car's emblem. Um, Mm -hmm. I like to see the the style that went into the wheel. And when you black everything out, you just lose all that definition. It's, I mean, you can kind of see it with your eye, but in, in a photo, unless you have a really professionally taken photo that's lit well, you lose any kind of sense of, of style and being able to pick out all the different features and, and points of the design. So you're not a fan of debadging? I don't have a pre- an opinion on debadging.
1: Would you ever do it to the Cayman? Probably not. My car has... Like the... I, I'll
0: put it this way. If I bought a car that was debadged, I wouldn't go to the effort of rebadging it. But... Mm. In most cases, I wouldn't actively debadge a car if that makes okay. sense.
1: Okay, yeah, valid. My car came with the S three badges removed from the deck, the deck lid, but the the rings are still there. Yeah, and I kind of wanted them. Like so, when I when I got rear ended this past like, couple months ago, whatever it was, um, I was hoping sort of that they would put the S three emblem on in the back. But they didn't, I guess, because the the, you know wasn't like that. And the guy even said to me, he's like, "Do you want the?" He's like, "I see that you don't have the S three emblem on there. Do you want the badge like the the rings on there or not?" And I was like, "Hmm, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll have like a completely badgeless trunk." But then I was like, "Nah, I like the way that looks." Yeah. So I had him put the rings back on. But I sent you. I found a cool picture of an RS six, just the way you described it. Yeah. Totally blacked out with Denardo Gray. I like it. I'm a fan.
0: Like, the funny thing is 20 years ago cars came with black bumpers, like textured black plastic bumpers, and that was a base, base model. You know, well, and like that was when it was like you didn't want to be seen with black bumpers.
1: Right. Like like the escapes from like 03. You yeah. Know, like the plastic gray bumpers.
0: Yeah. What did like, we the, see? The Corollas in the 90s. You know, all the all the economy cars the base model had black textured bumpers
1: didn't we see an STI at the car show with like textured like body cladding
0: the new WRX has has plastic fender flares yeah and i joked that it looks like a WRX Outback
1: okay yeah you're right i forgot that part
0: cuz the new 2022 wrx they kind of they're saying that it it reminds it's a reminder of the fender flares on the rally cars but rally cars don't have black plastic fender flares they have actual blister fenders and they look Mm -hmm. cool they don't Mm -hmm. look like you took your fender flares off of your rav4 and Mm -hmm. stuck them on the side of your you know wrx
1: yeah i don't like that move get rid of it rally
0: cars don't have super big screens on their inside
1: true I so Isaac Spec does not include uh Nardo paint and or fender flares that are not body color. I think we should sell that idea. We're going to call it Isaac Spec.
0: No, that wouldn't sell very well. I definitely don't follow the trend. That's for sure. When it comes to a lot of stuff.
1: Listen, I I think it's a cool name. I like it. It's gonna be. It'll be a good. Uh, it could be a good trim line for a vehicle. Well, I think we've had a good debrief of the co- the auto show. Uh, any final yeah. thoughts on
0: the show? Any anything you would recommend if someone goes to a show like that? Something to look out for, or um, anything? What are your final thoughts?
1: Um, well, the the one thing that I would say try maybe the the um, the, the EV area looks kind of cool. I know it's mm. you, you have to wait in line and you get a little ride in the EV. Uh, that's something that we didn't do i've done the jeep Cam jeep thing which is cool and it's it's cool if you've never done it before and um i guess my my uh my final point is if you go if you happen to go on um like a weeknight and it's not that crowded i think it's worth a quick ride other than that other than that you know don't don't go there with uh with too high high hopes because you may be let down.
0: Yeah, I would agree. As long as you know that you're, you're not gonna possibly see all the brands that you'd like to see because a lot of companies didn't show up this year. Uh, as long as you're okay with that, if you're in the market, I mean, it's one great thing about it is if you're in the market for an SUV, you have your pick and you can spend some time with them, open up some doors, open up the gate, you know, the, the, the hatch area, sit in the seats, see how they feel. You can do everything but drive them. And it's a good way to experience a lot of them and really narrow down your search um, so that you only have to drive three or four before you find the one that you like. So as much as I'm critical about how it was a sea of SUVs, if you're that buyer, it's, it's a great thing to do and see. On that point, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Next week is episode number 10 already. And we might have a special surprise for that one. Uh, so tune in next week. Leave us a review on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to. We really appreciate that. Help spread the word for the podcast and grow it. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks again for joining us. We look forward to hearing from you. Again, you can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or On Instagram at Winding Roads Podcast. Till next week, we'll see you next time.